Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. I love doing this podcast because I get to hear stories from incredible people from all walks of life. Today, my guest is Merlinda Bomas, who I met through the Hollywood Prayer Network and through a couple other things. And she ended up having me come speak at her nine to five meetings, which is people who are in the entertainment industry at their studio. They get together for one lunch a week. And they just spend time together. Sometimes there's 20 people, sometimes 120. And sometimes she'll do a, a meeting where she'll invite like two or three of the groups from the different studios together, like she did for me. And we had a great time at Warner Brothers. Marlinda works at Warner Brothers and she does theatrical marketing. And it's there where she felt God's call to start 9 to 5 ministry, which purpose is to encourage and equip Christians in their God-given roles to function with a kingdom mindset within their sphere of influence, which is so cool. She's also a co-director of Hollywood Prayer Network's Hollywood Chapter and the president of Open Table Outreach, an organization that serves homeless communities in Long Beach and Hollywood. And she's done these things for a long time. I know for Merlinda, some of the things she's worked on, she's working on some of the mainstream DC movies and like Suicide Squad. And, you know, she worked on um, the Justice League and all these different movies. At the same time, she's bringing God and kingdom in the midst of the marketing departments of Warner Brothers and then also to the studios at large. She has done so much for so many people sacrificially. She just lays on her life for the homeless, for other people in the industry. For me personally in ministry, she has just given of herself and she's done it in a way that just makes God so proud because she does it out of sacrificial love. It's a place of love. And I know you're going to love her story because she came from a place, like her story was new to me. I actually did the interview before I did the intro and I got to hear her story. You guys, it's so profound what she came out of just growing up in the Philippines and moving to America as an immigrant and some of the early years of just some of the, the hardship that she went through to where she's at today in a successful career at Warner Brothers is awesome. Only Jesus does stuff like this. So I know you're gonna love this story. Hey, my fellow explorers, we have a brand new book out. And if you've ever been given a word that you're a Joseph, an Esther, a Solomon, or a Daniel, you need to learn how to hear God the way that they did. You need to have that place inside of you that connects to God, that can believe for his solutions on the world today and for his problem-solving ability, his wisdom, his strategy. And so we've written this book called Wired to Hear, and it's connecting God's voice to your career and place of influence. You are gonna love this book. I wanna encourage you to get it today. My friend Bob Hassan, who does Exploring the Marketplace with me and myself, wrote this to take you on a journey of how to succeed in your place of career with God's voice and with connection to Him. Visit Bowles Ministries today and look up Wired to Hear or go to any bookstore you know and you should be able to find Wired to Hear. But get it, review it, and share it with someone else. Marlinda, I love talking to you. I'm so glad you're on the show today for a couple of reasons. Number one is you're awesome. Number two, though, is you work on a lot of projects at the WB, including like some of the DC movies, and which are some of my favorite. Mm -hmm. And so I was just geeking out before um, we had the interview about some of the movies you're working on right now, just going, yes, <laughs> I can't help it. But also number three, which is more important than number two, is that just that you've helped host ministry, your full-time 
and yet you find time to do some some of the most unique ministry outreach stuff and stuff in Hollywood that anyone's doing. Like it's some of the most impactful. So thank you for being in LA and Hollywood in your career. And thanks for being on our show today. Oh, it's such an honor. And I could talk to you about DC forever too. <laughs> but of course, we're here to talk about Jesus. But yeah, thank you for including me in your podcast. It's, it's an honor to be here, honestly. Well, I'm excited to hear some of your story because I think our listeners, uh, what they tell us is that they love those moments when God spoke to you or positioned your life or what made you come into the the kind of the success or the stories of God that you have, because people are trying to find those moments or trying to find that place in God in relationship to him that causes that kind of fruit and cause that kind of like before time began, we were meant for good works. How do we get there? And it's really relationship with God. And you're an example of that. But where did your story start as far as I know you're in Biola University? Does it start there? Actually, it started in the Philippines. So wow. um, I was born in India, but I grew up in the Philippines. And my background, it was just full of poverty. I mean, literally, we did not have food a lot of food. We literally wow. would put sugar on our rice just to have something to eat. We didn't have water, like running water. We would oh have to push a car 10 blocks away, pump it into a car just to have running water to, to um, take a bath or shower, wash our clothes or dishes. So because of that, my, my dad actually was an alcohol alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And so there was some abuse in, in our family. So during that time, I grew up thinking God was a dictator. I never knew no. him as a loving God. I thought he only paid attention when we do something bad and to punish us. So that was the kind of God, you know, I grew up in because I just saw so much poverty, so much violence, so much abuse around me. And, and then when I came here, I thought, you know, follow the American dream. Oh my gosh, my first day arriving in the U.S. First, I went straight to the refrigerator. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I need all the food that I can because now here you're tired of apples and grapes in the Philippines. That's like for rich people. So oh, totally. I ate so much. Like I almost made up for all the years of poverty in the Philippines. <laughs> oh. And I kid you not, when I went to take my very first shower here to have running water, like just to mm. turn on the faucet and there was running water, it was just like, wow. I'm, I'm here in America. This is the American dream. But unfortunately, like after a year, my mom actually decided to leave us because here, you know, she could live on her own. You could find a job. You can live on her own. The Philippines, you can't do that. So um, they separated. So I was around 10 or 11 and my mom was my best friend. I was the youngest of five. So I was close to her. Literally, she couldn't go anywhere without me. So I was devastated. And I blamed my dad. I hated my mom. Like there was so much hatred inside of wow. me because of everything that happened. And so I dedicated myself to school. Academics did really well, joined sports, did well too, but I just felt no one was around, you know? Like I was doing all of this yeah. for nothing because like my, my dad never went to any of my awards ceremony. I had to have my best friend's mom you know, wow. giving the award. Wow. So your so, dad was attached. She was just disconnected. Yeah, he was very disconnected. And I know there was a lot of bitterness, you know, because of my yeah. mom leaving. And so finally in high school, early high school, that's when I started rebelling. And I just said, forget this. I don't want to do this anymore. What's the point? And so I just started hanging out with the wrong crowd. I forgot, you know, my I lost my honor roll because I just forgot school. And yeah. then... I fell in love what I thought was love, was love during that time, but it wasn't. <laughs> Later on, I, re I realized it's yeah. not. 
I just hung out with the wrong crowd, like Filipino gangs, and yeah, I was very. Rebellious. I can't even picture you hanging out with Filipino <laughs> gangs. I mean, the Merlinda that I know, it's just like it's so good to hear the story because the price that you even had to walk through to really yeah, realize this crazy. version of yourself is crazy. Well, then after I got into a relationship, after a couple of years, I found myself pregnant. So I was a teenager and then I found out I was pregnant. And honestly, the first thing, I mean, there were a couple of times I was very suicidal. Like I just wanted to end my life. And because I just didn't see a point. I I, I was thinking no one sticks around. No one loves me. Everyone that I'm close to leaves. And and that's what happened when I got pregnant. The guy who promised to love me forever left. And then so my one of my friends asked me to go to church. There was a youth event. And he said, you're just going to sit home and cry. Why don't you just come to me in church? And the thing is, this guy used to party with me, too. So I was like, you're a Christian. You go to church. (laughs) I was so shocked. But I just remember, I don't remember anything about the event, except when the pastor said, if you feel like everyone you love has gone or left you, there is someone who never will. If you feel that you're alone in this world, you are not. There is someone who will always be there for you. And I'm just like, who is this? And he started talking about Jesus. And I've heard of Jesus, but not in that way. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he had the altar call, I was like the first person there, hands mm-hmm. up, crying. And I was just like, I'm done with this life. I want this life with you. So I dedicated my life to the Lord that night. Um, I was still in high school. And then my friend who invited me rededicated his life to the Lord and actually ended up being a worship pastor years later. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so then um, I didn't know how I was going to raise a daughter while I was still in high school, but the Lord, and I'll share this experience because this was really, this was, I knew he was there when I accepted the Lord, but there was, I was in the hospital and I was about to give birth. And I remember during that time, no one else is allowed in the operating room unless it's yeah. your husband. So my sister, who was a Christian, I brought her to church that night and she actually accepted the Lord too. Oh, so wow. she was there and all I could hear was she insisted to be in the operating room with me. But the nurse kept saying, I'm sorry, it's policy. They can't be with her. It has to be just, you know, her husband. And she, and she yelled out and I could hear her. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have anyone. And, and when I heard that, I started crying because I was going into the operating yeah. room. And I was already in pain. <laughs> you have kids. You've seen your wife. <laughs> yeah. I was already in pain. But I remember when they were putting the epidural and the nurse said, don't move, which I understand because, you know, wrong. You move, you, you get paralyzed. But I didn't have anything or anyone to hold on to. I felt so alone. And I remember there was, this is what I saw. I saw a man in a a doctor wardrobe, you know, um, and he said, here, you can hold my hand. And I remember holding that doctor's hand and he said, I won't let go. And so I held on to his hand until I gave birth and then everything was fine. Three days later though, I got, I kept getting sick. I had pneumonia. They had to dip me in like Mm. really ice water, cold water in the bathtub. So I was, I ended up being in the hospital for two weeks. Um, but Three days after I gave birth, I asked the nurse, I said, so who was that man who was in the operating room? Because I really want to thank him. And then so she looked at me very confused. She was just like, what man? 
And then so I said, oh, there was a man. He offered me his hand. I wouldn't have done it, gone through it without him wow. being there. And she goes, there was no one else there. And then so I, I insisted. I said, I was not that drugged. I know there was someone there. <laughs> oh, my and then gosh. She to me and she goes, sweetie, there was no one else there. And then so she she left the room and I just started crying. Wow. I cried so hard. And the verse, like, I know we talk about Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot, but that verse and the yeah. verses after that, because there was a Bible there. I didn't bring a Bible. I was only a few months in the Lord. I didn't know anything about all of that yet. There was a Bible there. And I kid you not, Sean, wow. when I opened it, it was Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, you know, the plans I have for you are plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And those words, future and a hope, really stood out to me because being pregnant as a teenager, especially in Asian Filipino culture, yeah. you're the black sheep. And I kept wow. hearing, your future is ruined, you ruined your life. I kept hearing that over and over again. So when the Lord promised me that, I was just like, I do have hope. I do wow. have a future. And and the, the greatest thing is I'm not alone. Because I was like, yeah. how am I going to raise a kid when my mom's not even around? My family won't even talk to me because, of course, they were so disappointed in me. And I was barely in high school. So and then I remember the verses after that, that if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. And I'm just like, Lord, I am seeking you. <laughs> I do not want to look. Of course, I've made mistakes ever since, but a lot of mistakes. But I, I made a point. Nope, I'm going to be, I, I want all in. You know, I want to follow Jesus. Wow. And, and he what was- What an amazing thing to happen as a teenager, though. Like just to have him that present with you and yeah. branding you, like kind of taking your family story and say, I'm flipping it on its- on its head and so to speak just because i'm gonna i'm gonna make myself known to you mm -hmm. and even culturally how he came and was so relevant to what you were going through it's just i'm just blown away it's so beautiful yeah. so how did you go from that into your education and really going for it so then because i discovered the love of christ i really had this passion to make his love known because there's so much so many people who have that orphan mentality that i did yeah. that feeling of yeah. insecurity and abandonment that feeling of you have to constantly have to prove yourself and so when i got a job at biola university um, i went to school there as well we started i i actually was the program manager for the business school then the dean, he just suddenly had a heart for um, theology of work. And at that point, in my Christian walk, there was always that divide between sacred versus secular. Yeah. You know, if you're a pastor, you're a missionary, you're doing God's work and being, you know, um, in business or an architect or something else, you know, that's considered second class. That was totally. kind of like the spiritual hierarchy that I grew up with in a Christian setting. And then so when the dean said, oh, let's do this certificate program, just equipping Christians to be more effective for Christ. I, I was like, what? Church outside of church, outside the far, walls of a church yeah. building. And I, it really inspired me. And then seeing so many educators, nurses, um, uh, IT people come and just learn about this. So I became very passionate about training them to be more effective in the marketplace. And then one day I remember in the middle of class, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I'm gonna take you back to the marketplace. Wow. And mind you, I've always had a very tough corporate um, work experience. 
tough environments. So I was very happy where I was at Paola. <laughs> you know, I had freedom. I had a great boss. And I was just like, you're going to remove me from this? <laughs> oh. So kicking and screaming, I was like, no, I'm, I I can just keep training them. <laughs> oh so, but then my boss, and this never happened. So I had an interview at Warner Brothers before I, at the same time that I had the interview at Biola and then Biola offered me the job first. So okay. then that same interview. So the, the person who interviewed, which is the head of the promotions department, he reached out and said, Hey, just thinking of you, I have a position open. I mean, who does that? Right. No, yeah, it's, that's <laughs> interview. So then I was just like, okay. And then I went to a women's event in Orange County about business women. And Karen was actually the speaker. And so she was talking about Hollywood Prayer Network. Yeah. She was talking about Christians in Hollywood. And I was, and it was just one confirmation after another. So I stopped kicking and screaming. (laughs) So I accepted the job. And after a year late, after about a year, because I asked the Lord, can I just get situated? You know, I don't know what you want me to start here. So after a year and a month, I just felt the Holy Spirit like knocking against like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? But then there were two people I already befriended who were Christians, but not really walking with the Lord. And, and so I said, why don't we just get together for lunch or prayer or Bible study, you know, do devotionals, have lunch together. And so, but I wanted to use one of the conferences. So this is where I went to HR. And I didn't know at that time that Warner Brothers was a closed campus, like no religious things should be happening. You know, I just went to HR, my HR person. I told her what my plans were. And I said, oh, I I just want to gather during our lunch break to pray for anyone who wants prayer, to study the word. Anyone is welcome. You know, we are followers of Jesus. And and she looked at me like, what? <laughs> and then he said, I would just like your permission to use a conference room. Because, of course, I have to ask permission to use no. the property, right? And I said, we're fine to meet in a coffee shop or in a park, but it's just more comfortable in a conference room. <laughs> and then so she goes, Merlinda, in all my nine years in working here, I have never heard that question or wow. anyone to do something like that. So I said, take your time, talk to whoever you want to talk to. If the answer is no, that's completely fine. So by the end of the day, actually like three or four hours later, she got back to me. She called me and she said, Merlinda, if no one's using it, go for it. (laughs) So we started meeting in a small conference room, just the three of us. And there was a point where there was 120 of us, you know, and regularly now there's like 30, 40, sometimes 10, no matter if there's one person or 50 people, we gather every week just to pray and to read God's word. And then, um, and we've been doing it for nine years now. And we've had people who are not Christians just come, got to know the Lord, people who are not Christians who ask for prayer, people who haven't even opened their Bible like started to open their Bible and wow. commit themselves to, to um, the Lord. And, and one thing I like to do is also find out where they're located so I can find the right, the right church, you know, like yeah. a biblically sound church yeah. for them and then get them connected. So basically, to like, important. You're basically pastoring them and helping to position them to grow. And I want to just say to our listeners how rare, just like the HR person said in nine years, I've never had anyone ask me this. It's really, really rare for somebody to do something past a starting point and with a Bible study or prayer group on a, on a studio campus. Mm-hmm. And there's a few going on here and there, but typically they get polarized by one type of church group or one type of faith or one experience 
or they just stop after a month and, or if they go for very long, it's only one season because people move and transition out of their career so often. So every two years, someone might move or go into another department or another, right. another campus. So the fact that you guys have been doing this for so long and I've had the chance to visit before, it's phenomenal. Great mm -hmm. people who are all working in the industry who are just, they just need that place to fill their tank up and have mm -hmm. that connection, that peer-to-peer -peer connection that says, you know, we're, we're sent here. This is, we can be here with God. We can, we can, you know, and it's such an honor to the people that you've done this for so long. Mm -hmm. And I, I think of all the other stuff you started because then you started ministering to homeless as well. Like talk about that. Yeah. So um, Open Table Outreach, that's the name of the organization. And basically our mission is there's enough room at the table for anyone. That's and this awesome. really comes from my own poverty upbringing, you know, and yeah. And I just didn't want anyone to feel like they were alone in this world, like I felt it. And so we came up with Open Table Outreach because we want everyone who comes in to feel the love of Christ. And it's not just a soup kitchen kind of thing, which I have nothing against and I'm so thankful for them, but we are more relationship building, which is why we offer prayer and Bible study after. And I know some people, so people have asked me, why not do the Bible study and prayer so they can stay and actually hear the word and um, and then get their food? And I said, but I don't want to use that as bait. Like I want people who are genuinely seeking oh, to stay yeah. after. So yeah. after dinner, my goal is to know everyone's name. Whoever comes, I want to know they're, they're known. You know, like Tommy Walker's knows, he knows my name. Uh, I want yeah. them to know that somebody knows their name and that somebody knows their story. So we've had really great stories. Um, we have people who came out of homelessness who are living a full-time job now, went to even Bible wow. school. Wow. Um, we started actually in Long Beach and then the Hollywood one location started three or four years ago. So every Wednesday, we would meet for dinner in Long Beach. And then every Tuesday, we would meet for dinner in Bible study in Hollywood. But of course, when COVID started, we had to pause because of all the restrictions. And yeah. so we're trying to navigate through this pandemic right now. But we still offered food, you know, during the holidays. But I love it. It's kind of like this whole rags to riches kind of ministry. <laughs> yeah. Because there are moments where you're like, okay, I'm at the red carpet working an event, and then I have to run and go to open table in Long Beach and serve dinner to the in-house community. <laughs> That's like what a what a two polar opposite experience <laughs> in the same day. Let's talk about that a little bit because you run a lot of the red carpet events for these kind of DC type movies that are coming out, and you do marketing behind the scenes and some stuff that's happening. And uh, but you've had some God moments sometimes in these in these places. And I love that because you're looking at your career as a place that God can use. And it's not, your career isn't for evangelism, but there's moments that God will speak to somebody mm -hmm. or do something that's profound. Can you think of one like maybe on the red carpet where God showed up? Oh, yes. There's definitely one that always would always sit out for me because that was the riskiest thing I've done on yeah. the red carpet. But because um, I mean, my mindset is this is my mission field. I am a representative of Christ. And I really try to discern when the Holy Spirit is speaking. I don't always get it. <laughs> Sometimes I miss it. But there was a moment we were working a premiere. And as soon as this actress um, left her limousine, came out of her limo. I just, there was this heaviness that I felt. Mm. And then so, and I wasn't, I was actually 
the one in charge of escorting her down the red carpet. So we were waiting for a while because, you know, you have to wait for media and photographers, yeah. one talent after another. No one realizes and, how much waiting there is in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we were in a corner, kind of secluded for some reason. And, you know, that was a God moment. And I really felt the Holy Spirit say, I need you to tell her that I know what she's going through, you know? And I was just like, like, there's this heaviness. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you want to just this is like probably one of the greatest nights of her life in the sense of her career going to red carpet premiere. She's a big actress. And yet you're having this God moment where you're feeling the yeah. heaviness that everybody else is perceiving glory and you're perceiving, no, it's. That's really a beautiful. Okay. So keep keep telling us. And so like she's ready to go on the red cover for a few minutes, right? And then so I just I just Holy Spirit courage because it wasn't me at all. And I just looked at her and I said, I understand what you're going through. Um, I feel like there's just this heaviness, there's this brokenness. And then so she looked at me like this is the first time she's meeting me, right? And then so yeah. I, I I just told her like you're not alone. And I saw this image, and I know this is gonna sound really weird. And I said I saw this image of there was a crack on a wall in your. It looked like your bedroom. It was beautiful, but there was a crack, and I just felt like you were experiencing some kind of brokenness in your marriage. And then she looked at me, and she was just like how would you know that? Like we've been keeping that private for years. And of wow. course, I'm. so she assumes like I heard it from someone, I work in entertainment and media. And then I said, I didn't know that. I really just felt God revealed that. And then so, and then I told her, there was a quote that just came into my mind by Leonard Cohen. It's And, and he said, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And so I was just encouraging her that even through this, you know, that God is there with her and she's going to go through it with, with him, that she's not alone. And I told her, you're not. And I kept repeating that for some reason, that the wow. Lord God loves you. The God of the universe, the creator of the universe loves you. And then so she starts crying. And then so I mm. offered to pray for her because knowing, mind you, that we're about to step on the red carpet. She's like, my makeup, my makeup. <laughs> and so I'm like, let me just say a quick prayer. So I pray for her real quick. And then so after the prayer, of, you know, she kept crying and I hand her a tissue and she said, you know what? She said, this morning I cried out to God, even just blaming him for everything. I said, do you even exist? Do you even wow. hear me? And then she started crying and she goes, I had my answer, you know? And then, so I started crying because <laughs> I yeah. didn't know what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. I had no idea. Yeah. I, in my mind, I sounded crazy, but I mean, it was a long story, but to make it short, then I just handed her a tissue and I'm like, okay, ready for the red carpet. <laughs> Smile for the camera. <laughs> this is how it is. Okay, now get in front of the camera. What I love about this, Merlinda, too, is that thinking back on one of the statements you made back at Biola, where you felt like the line between sacred and secular, or sacred and secular, where it's like marketplace was, you know, second class for a lot of Christians, it still is. When they think of their career, that's not as important as what a missionary is doing in Africa or a pastor is doing, because we highlight at local churches, mostly ministry and things we're doing to equip churches and believers to read the Bible and pray and have a Christian life. But we don't always quit people for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And and we don't always celebrate what's going on in the same way. The same God who brought the healing of cancer is bringing you to a red carpet where that woman would have never been reached because she would have never gone to a local church. And I think it's so profound. I think it's just such an example of 
how God wants us to be positioned for the good works he dreamed of before time mm-hmm. began. It says in Ephesians 2, that this is the work he had for you that he dreamed of, and you're doing it so well. And because of that, he's entrusting you with so much. And I hope our listeners really feel that for their own life and really go after that for their own life because relationship with Jesus, there's nothing like it, but walking with him and his purpose is the greatest thing we can do. Mm-hmm. And you're doing that in so many ways. How could people get a hold of you? Is there any kind of organization or anything that you would want them to sponsor or give to the homeless stuff that you're doing or to give to, or to if they wanted to start a, uh, a Bible study at their studio, if they work in the entertainment industry or if they work on Broadway <laughs> or something, could they yeah. reach out to you? Oh, yes, please reach out. I, I have an email for 9to5. That is the ministry we have at Warner Brothers. It's 9to5marketplaceministry.org. And then opentableoutreachministry.org is the, our ministry to the unhoused community. Yeah. Well, thank you for everything you shared today. I'm totally pumped. I think this is just like for me personally. I just feel like I had an infusion right here in the arm. <laughs> the best thing ever. But thank you. I loved hearing it. You know, what's amazing about that encounter was after the after party, she went to look for me and she says, thank you. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, she's not going to remember my name, but the important thing is she's going to remember God's name. You know, mm. she's going to remember that God loves her, that there is yes. a God. So, and that's, ever, that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for being on today. Thank you, Sean. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring, where you'll receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more. Or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.